Good morning, Rooted Fellowship, and also good morning, the friends of Rooted Fellowship, who have the opportunity to gather with us, seeing that we're online now, and also good morning to the guests of Rooted Fellowship. After last week's trial run for a Zoom sermon, I decided to up my Zoom presentations. So uh, all the graphic designers in the house, chill out, maybe tone down your expectation, it's nothing beautiful. But for all the Bible geeks or nerds in the house, you can uh, tune up your expectation because we've got even more for you in store today in this way that we are doing it. So let me hit you first with the title slide. And here we go. Our title for today is, Oh, It's On. Our scripture reading will be Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 34. And uh, my name is Rainer Meyer. And I've also got the privilege to be joined this morning by one of our elders, Kenny Matotsi. Kenny, good morning. Good morning, Reno, and good morning to everyone out there. Uh, as Reno stated, uh, I'm Kenny. Uh, I have the wonderful privilege, a wonderful privilege of serving God's people here in Richard Fellowship, as Reno stated, in the capacity of elder, and really, really excited about this morning. Excited to walk through the scriptures with you, mate. I really am. So we started a new series last week, and we said last week that we are doing this series because as a gospel-centered church, the gospel for us isn't a matter of history. It is a matter of reality. For us as a church community, the gospel is in the center of everything we consider to be our lives, here and now. We showed you this quote from N.T. Wright last week, which I want to show to you again because it states so beautifully why we are walking through the series and also why, uh, um, what we dream to be as a church. So N.T. Wright says, Mark's story allows us to see a new vision of God's people, defined by the kingdom, transformed by the life of new creation, crossing ethnic and social boundaries, come on, having compassion for the poor and destitute, which we need desperately holding a faith that can move mountains, enduring under persecution, persistent in prayer. And even though Amen, we are locked down, even though we are facing a global pandemic, friends, we are still God's people. And the gospel according to Mark will clarify this for us. And we believe that it will move us into action to be this kind of church that Mark allows us to see even in a time like this. So what we did last week is we showed you the map of the Bible project and we said that we'll, be, we'll follow this map kind of loosely just because this map of the whole gospel divides the gospel into three clear parts. The first part, or called Act 1 on this map, is in Galilee. The second part is a on-the-way part. And the third one is everything that happens in Jerusalem. I also showed you last week that we are dealing with a person here. He's referred to in the Bible as John Mark, and he was the person who wrote this gospel. And as you'll see on the right-hand side of this slide, that in Mark 1 verse 1, the writer, Mark, says, uh, I believe that this Jesus is the anointed king. He is the Christ. And I've got really good news for you about him. He's in charge and he is king. And then it's as if Mark keeps quiet and he just tells the story. And as he tells the story, the story wants from us a reaction to what it is that we are writing. 
And we also showed you last week that in this first part of uh, the Gospel of Mark, we'll be spending a lot of time in Galilee, which was the northern region of ancient Israel. So Judea uh, was down south, and then Samaria was right in the middle, and Galilee was right up top. And we followed this picture that you see of John the Baptist pointing to Jesus and saying, this is the anointed king who the Old Testament scriptures came uh, promised will come. And then we'll see that John the Baptist, or actually Mark, the writer, gives this king the opportunity to speak. And then you'll see on the right-hand side of this picture, in 1 verse 15, this new anointed king says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, come to a new mind, and believe. Come into action and follow me. And what we see on this picture is the stories that follows in our scripture reading today and even in the weeks to come is all about Jesus bringing God's kingdom. So I have now told you that this kingdom is near and now I'm going to show you what this kingdom looks like. And today's scripture reading is a collection of these stories of Jesus showing us what this kingdom will look like. So we'll see Jesus talking, we'll see him putting into action or putting work to his words and we'll see people following him around. And that is a fascinating thing to do. And we are excited to walk uh, through these pieces of scripture with you. So we'll read the whole text at once. And then we'll pray. And then we will dive right in. And uh, my prayer or our prayer this morning is that you would be compelled to move into action by what we see in the gospel. That you'll see Jesus in a fresh way that your picture of Jesus and even your picture of discipleship will be revitalized in a time like this. I think when we have daily rhythms uh, that are the same, especially in a, in a time like lockdown, we need some fresh perspective. And we pray that uh, you would find that this morning. And if you are not a believer, you haven't crossed the line of faith yet, and you actually don't believe that Jesus is the anointed king that the Bible talked about, then we pray that you would discover him today. Because that was Mark's heart for writing the gospel. And that's our heart for heralding the word and reading the scriptures every single time we come together uh, with each other for the proclamation of the word or the preaching of the word and uh, also for a time of worship. So, Kenny, do you mind reading the scriptures for us and then praying for us? Awesome stuff. Uh, I'll be reading from uh, Mark 1, uh, verse 16 to uh, 34. Um, I'll be reading from the CSB. So if you do have a Bible, uh, please uh, follow um, as I read God's word. Mark 1, verse 16. As he passed alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them. I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat putting their nets in order. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their hired men and followed him. Verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not like the scribes. Just then, a man with an unclean spirit was in the synagogue. He cried out, what do, you want, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. 
And the unclean spirit threw him into convulsions, shouted a loud voice and came out of him. They were, they were all amazed. And so they began to ask each other, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the clean spirits and they obey him. And once the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee, and then verse 29, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went, to, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he went to, to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they brought to him all those who were sick and demon-possessed. The whole town was assembled at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, thank you uh, for, for this time, uh, for this moment. Um, thank you just for your word that it is timeless, Lord, that um, it goes through the generations and it has such an effect on people and all in the various generations and it's not any different uh, to our generation right now, Lord Jesus. Uh, we ask that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds, especially in this season where uh, some of us are still trying to discover new rhythms, um, especially in the season of uncertainty, uh, especially in a season where we don't know where uh, the good news will be coming from when we tune into our TVs, when we we wait for the next couple of weeks and months, Lord. But I pray that as we read through the scriptures, I pray that as we uh, glean through uh, your works, Lord, that we may find good news there, Lord, uh, timeless good news, uh, uh, good news uh, that does not expire, Lord. Um, and that's the good news of your coming, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord Jesus, uh, as we go through this, uh, I pray that you may give us uh, a taste of the Holy Lord, that we may be able to, to see you through the scriptures, Lord. I pray that whatever it is that we are carrying, whatever it is that uh, may be creating anxiety within us, Lord, uh, I pray that these are things that uh, we can put aside, Lord. Uh, I pray that your word may uh, wash us in you. Uh, I pray that your word may restore joy where it's been lost. Um, I pray as well, Lord, just for a fresh, fresh view of who you are, Lord, that indeed may we, when we come to you, Lord, may we say, uh, who is this new teacher? What are these new teachings, Lord? Uh, may they cause a move uh, within us, Lord. And so, Lord, we once again want to thank you for this time. We want to thank you that we can do this, Lord. Uh, in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. We said earlier that we want to walk through the text today. So in order to do that, we divided uh, the text of today into four parts and we're going to walk through them one by one. We'll follow a, a real simple formula, just looking at the uh, piece of scripture or the portion and then saying, what does it say and what does it mean? And uh, in that way, we'll be able to make our way through all four of these. So the first portion that we're going to look at is chapter one, verses 16 to 20, the calling of the first disciples. And here's what I want you to see. We have two scenes. Uh, in verses 16 to 18 and verses 19 to 20. The first one contains a specific call and a promise that goes with it. And in the second scene, the call lies implicitly, implicitly in Jesus just saying, 
or, or in the scriptures just saying that he called them. And then we also see a response. Now, what I love about Mark, remember, Mark uh, wrote a gospel that explains the urgency of Jesus' earthly ministry. So every single word is used. It's very, very intentional and very specific. And uh, he uses a very unusual phrase in this portion of scripture, fishes of men. Now, why on earth would he use that? And why did Jesus say that? Well, they were fishermen. And this is Jesus showing his cultural agility and actually speaking vernacular to them. What he says Amen. to them, Amen. they understand completely because he speaks in his language. You know, I imagine Jesus walking on the side of the Sea of Galilee going, Exe, Exe, and the guy's just immediately knowing exactly uh, what he means. And with this, Mark also wants to state from the beginning, and we'll circle back to this later, that this story has historical roots, a real place with real people that did real, real um, things. So we'll come back uh, to this a little bit later. These guys are also later in the gospel referred to as Jesus' inner circle. We'll see that in chapter 1, chapter 5, chapter 9, 13, and chapter 14. So Mark writes this specific portion of scripture in the beginning of his gospel for two very specific reasons. So if you just think for a minute that in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus calls his disciples in chapter 4. In the gospel of Luke, Jesus calls his disciples in chapter 5. But in the gospel of Mark, Jesus calls his disciples right at the beginning of his earthly ministry before he sets out to do anything. So just a, a sidebar for the Bible nerds out there. Mark was written first. And Matthew and Luke both actually had a copy of Mark when they wrote their Gospels. So they used the Gospel of Mark as one of their primary sources in building their own Gospels and also knitting together their own story. I was so tempted to show you a slide of the percentage of Mark that is used in Matthew and the percentage of Matthew that is found in Luke, but that is a serious rabbit hole and we're not going to get out of it uh, at all. So I decided to skip that. Okay, so why do Mark put this in the beginning of his gospel? Well, first, by placing this at the outset of Jesus' ministry, Mark attests or testifies that the disciples were present at the beginning of his ministry. And therefore, they are legitimate bearers of this story. If you think about the intro of the book of Luke or the gospel according to Luke, Luke says, Theophilus, I'm writing this to you, and, and let me tell you, I got these stories from people who actually saw what happened. They were there. It's not a made-up story. I love it, brother. I love it. And so what Mark is doing here is, is probably lost in us. It doesn't feel all that significant to us, especially uh, in an age where we have smartphones and we can capture pictures and, and videos. So it's, it's lost in us. But uh, for Mark's audience, this, will, would, this would have resonated with them. Uh, there were a lot of versions and ideas of the stories of, of the story of Jesus uh, going around in that time. And so what Mark is doing by firmly establishing the disciples as being there with Jesus at the onset, he was also firmly establishing that the story is easily verifiable with eyewitnesses, that there were people that you can go ask about the stories. And so for us, one way of appreciating this by, is by looking at social media with the verified accounts. 
so for instance you can you can go search for black coffee or any famous celebrity mm. messi or ronaldo and you will find multiple accounts out there right yeah. there are people that open fake accounts uh, but the real account will always be verified with a tick and so if right now you have ronaldo or messi or black coffee following you and they don't have a blue tick on the side of their account it's probably not them and so so what mark is doing for us uh, so what what mark is doing for us and for the audience is applying the blue tick to say that this is easily verifiable this is the real deal and i love that and what i like about that is for us if there's a blue tick on the account you just don't argue and in the first exactly. century, it was the same. Someone saw this, don't argue. Okay, cool, I'll accept it. So the second reason why Mark puts this out um, is he wants to show, as he tells the story of Jesus' public ministry, that there was always someone with him and always someone learning from him. And what he does by doing that is he says, what you say or believe about Jesus will lead into action or mark tethers together belief in jesus that goes with actually doing something about it so we said this last week is jesus won't allow us in the gospel of mark to sit idle we have to make a decision and that's what mark says mark rolls out these stories saying look 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 if you look closely people responded man what will you do that's what the gospel a writer asks of us as readers now in 2020. So Kenny, let me ask you, what does this mean for us here and now? Well, I'd say um, there are three significant aspects uh, about the discipleship in Jesus' ministry. So the first one being that rather than dis the disciple talking and um, taking the initiative and choosing the master, as was the characteristic among the Jews, uh, Jesus emerges as the central figure who, dominate, who dominates the scene and calls his own disciples yeah. by means of an authoritative sermon. sermons. This in itself it gives us a glimpse into the upside-down um, counter-cultural world that Jesus is calling his disciples into. It will be unlike anything that the disciples have experienced. Yeah. Uh, and so the absence in Mark's story of any previous contact with the persons involved, involved serves only to heighten the centrality of Jesus' call and the disciples' obedient response. And so second to that is that the disciples respond negatively and positively. And what I mean by that is that negatively, they leave their occupations. Uh, and we see James and John leave their father. And so discipleship means leaving behind their way of life and former ties. There is always a cost. There is always a cost to this. And so uh, positively, they followed him. And so, and so the disciples joined, uh, joined themselves to Jesus uh, to accompany him and to, to participate in his life. And so the third and last one is the promise that is found in um, chapter 1 verse 17 which anticipates their new vocation uh, to become fishers of men rather than students of the law so the disciples will, will not only accompany Jesus but he will enable and equip them to share his ministry and eventually continue it by enabling and equipping others to do the same this is discipleship 
I love that, man. Uh, Jesus does the choosing and he chose you, you, Kenny, and all of us. You know? How crazy is that? It will ask something of you. So you leave something and you'll take something. But don't worry, I will make you into one of my disciples. Which goes back to 1 verse 15 now, doesn't it? Repent, come to a new brain, and believe. Move into action, follow. No proof, like the invitation isn't at the end of the gospel, it's at the beginning of the gospel. But I will make you into what I called you to be. That is so comforting. Amen. So beautiful. I mean... I mean, what's what's even more comforting about the way Jesus approaches them as well is just the fact that um, they they he qualifies them. It wasn't a sense of that they needed to first go and clean up their lives. They needed to have a certain level of education. Um, but Jesus is saying, "Come, come as you are. I'm calling you. Yeah. I will do the qualifying." Uh, I will make you fishes of men. Uh, you will not automatically plug into the matrix and become fishes of men, but mm. I'm going to do that for you. And that, that is comforting, especially yeah. uh, for a culture that perhaps uh, we only accept it on merit. We only accept it on uh, what we can offer, what we can do. And so mm. Jesus says, leave all of that outside the door. Come as you are. Love that, man. Love that. Let's move on to the second part of our scripture portion, and that's verses 21 to 28. can loosely be described as Jesus' teaching uh, with authority. Now, what Mark does here in verses 21 and 22 is he opens with what we call a summary report. Now, remember, Mark moves quickly. You'll remember our picture on our title slide. There's going to be a lot of movement, and it's going to come at you quickly. Oh, it is on. It is happening. So what Mark does is he gives little summaries, and he says, listen, this is what went down. Let me tell you a quick story. Think about a series. Uh, Previously on Survivor. And then there'll be a little recap and then the new episode will happen. Or I think I've watched a series somewhere in my life that starts with tonight on Survivor. And then there's like a little preview and then the episode happens. So that's exactly what Mark does here. So something went down and that is a preview or that sets the stage for an exorcism that happens in verses 23 to 28. Now, why on earth would that be the first point of business for Jesus? Well, do you remember that last week in verses 12 to 13, we read about the very first showdown in the gospel. This king goes into the wilderness and he picks his fight. And the fight that he picks is the fight against the evil one. That's the fight that's been fought through the whole Old Testament. But this one will finish it. And that's why when Jesus starts with his public ministry, that is the very first fight he picks. And he exorcises the evil one out of someone. And that's also where the title for today's sermon comes from is Jesus goes, oh, oh, it is on. Oh, it is on. It is happening. Now, just something for the Bible nerds. Just a note. I'm a Bible nerd myself. I uh, made you a slide and uh, I want to show that to you just to point out something about this piece of scripture. So the exorcism itself in this piece of scripture reflects what we call a classic exorcism form. And I wrote there for you, take note uh, for future gospel readings of both Mark and the other gospels we have, is you'll always see an encounter, you'll see a defense, you'll see a command to depart, you'll see the exorcism happen, and then you'll see the reaction of the people. That's a classic form that all the exorcisms take. 
in the gospel. So I made you a little slide because I have seen when I preach in real life at New Hope in a normal service, the moment I put on a slide that has bullets, you can see the Bible nerds taking out their telephones going, ooh, ooh, I need to take a photo of this. So there you are, there's your photo. So the crowd then responds to this exorcism. Um, they respond to this new teaching that is taught with such authority. And that connects the summary report to the exorcism. Because in the summary report, it said that people reacted saying, wow. And in verse 27, the people reacted by saying, wow. Now, here's what I want you to see. This is the mission of the gospel writer. Jesus' words and his works, this new teaching of his, declare for Mark who Jesus is. It's not only lip service, and it's not only action. It is both. Amen. And now Mark describes the reaction of people. And why do you think that people reacted in this way? Well, because what they saw was so different than what they were used to. So they knew teachers. They knew people doing stuff. But now they see this teacher doing what he teaches. And that is what absolutely blows their minds. So, Kenny, just before we move on to the next one, let me ask you this question. Why do you think the gospel writer puts, puts so much stress on Jesus as a teacher and so much stress on his teaching? Yeah, so, so much there. But, you know, if, if our encounter with Jesus just leads us to, to a conclusion that he's not different from anything we are used to, then... And I'm afraid that maybe that was not Jesus that we had an encounter with. Sure. So when we sit under the teaching of Jesus, he will always cause a paradigm shift in our lives. Uh, the shift will be in every aspect of our lives, uh, how we appropriate our time, talents, our money, how we view relationships, um, how we view love and forgiveness, how we raise our families, how we serve. Uh, Jesus will turn our world upside down when we sit under his teachings. Uh, they're fundamentally at the core of them. They are countercultural. So the fact that Jesus' teachings were not only different then, that they noted then that th this is a new teacher, this is a new teaching, but this is something that has been evident throughout the whole ages, even to our day, that uh, th there's just something very different about who Jesus is, that once we we sift through the superficial ideas of, of uh, being spiritual. Um, once we sift uh, through the whole ideas or the, the whole idea of that uh, Jesus is just like every other teacher and we mm -hmm. get to the core of what he was saying and who he was and we see that it's transcended throughout the ages, then it really points to something fundamental about Jesus, not just being a teacher, but being something much more significant yeah. and that and, is something that we got to grapple with yeah and on that point so mark is going to show us through the course of the gospel that learning from a teacher is one of the primary roles for you as a disciple so if the teacher Amen. is different and the teaching is different then the disciples ought to be different and Mark Amen, will show brother. us that the gospel progresses. Mark will show us that Jesus relates to his disciples as a teacher. And what we'll also see, spoiler alert, is that there's various degrees of success. 
So sometimes they get it and sometimes they don't. And before you start hating on them or judging them, we are in the same boat. Sometimes we get it and sometimes we don't. So it's going to get gnarly as the gospel progresses. Stay tuned for that one. Let's move on to the third part and we'll glance through this and then we'll land the plane with the last part. The third part is just about uh, the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And uh, what is important here, just one last slide for the Bible nerds, I want to show you this, is that this story or this healing narrative also takes on a specific form. So there's the form of a healing narrative in the Gospels. There's a setting, there's a description of the illness and a request for healing. Then there's a healing and then there's some sort of demonstration either by the healer, which is Jesus in the Gospels, or by the person showing that they are healed and that their sins are forgiven. And this last part that we're going to do now from verses 29 to 34, I want you to see that Mark um, puts all of this together as one massive, massive day in the office of Jesus. So there's during the day and there's after sunset and kind of through the night and then early the next morning. Now, that is real. That is a hard day's work. Do you guys feel the urgency? Because that's what Jesus came to do. And then right at the bottom of the slide, I just wrote that this is the shortest or the briefest healing narrative in the gospel. And um, where did Mark get this? Well, he spoke to Peter. Peter was one of his eyewitnesses. So I can imagine uh, Mark going, okay, Peter, got my pen. Let's do this, dude. Tell me stories. And then Peter goes, dude, let me tell you this one. One day, Jesus healed my mother-in-law in my own house. That was a ripper. Ends the story right there. Mark goes, okay, I'll include that one in my gospel, most definitely. And then the fourth part uh, of our scripture reading today is what we call healings at evening time. And that's only three verses, verses 32 to 34. Now, let me intro this and then we'll get to the application of it. So there's another summary of healings that happened. And Mark, once again, puts this in here for a very specific reason. And here's what I want you to see. Mark says, by including this in, the, uh, in his gospel, that Jesus's ministry includes the sick people of the city. As, in other, uh, as with other summaries in the gospel of Mark, this one has what we called um, gathered crowds and heightened language. Okay? All of the city and all of the sick. Now, this is in stark contrast to the story that we just read, which was a private, personal setting of the healing of Simon's mother-in-law. And this summary report then sets what we call it hyperbole. It's like being extra. Mark is being extra in this point. Um, he talks about multiple healings. He talks about various illnesses. He says it's done in a very public fashion. He says the whole city came to him. And he says that the whole city gathered at his door. They came close. Oh, what else came close in Mark 1? Well, the kingdom of God. And now people are coming close to this person, proclaiming the kingdom of God. <laughs> this is so great. I wanted to use the Zoom reaction that shows the applause, but that would have been really lame. So I just gave us, just gave us the little click. Yeah. No, I, I, I got to say, I love this, man. Um, just, the, just the movement um, from, 
from Jesus teaching the synagogue to uh, healings of at a private level, but also at a, at a public uh, at a public level as well. Uh, it just shows the authenticity of of the discipleship relationship and how it is life on life. And Jesus models this, and so the disciples were in Jesus' life, and He was in their lives beyond the teaching lessons. Uh, for us, this means that beyond teaching and going through material. Uh, disciples got to be very, very close to us. And uh, I got to tell you this story. Um, it's this lovely story about uh, one of the guys uh, from our church. Uh, he came over to, to our place to uh, sleep over just near a, um, a couch uh, pillow. So I said, man, you, you can come over. Uh, the fridge is yours. Whatever you, whatever you find in the fridge, that's, that's yours. You can eat it. This is your home. And the next morning, I woke up to uh, an empty container on the table that said, uh, sorry, I ate your lunch last <laughs> night. And uh, I love that, man. Like, uh, if if your disciples are not close enough to you to eat your lunch, then uh, there's too much distance. They got to be in your spaces. And so, so what I love about that is that... Um, they get to navigate, they get to see you navigate your your life's greatest challenges in light of the scriptures. And mm-hmm. you have to be so close enough to them to uh, love them through life's greatest challenges. And mm-hmm. I really love this because it just shows that uh, Jesus was really authentic mm-hmm. and he was there in their personal spaces, uh, but he also allowed them to invade his personal space. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not on Twitter, but I am thinking tweets now. So here's the tweet. Dude, can you give me the Discipleship 101 PDF? Uh, no, but I can show you where Jesus' fridge is. Isn't that just amazing? Huh? Amen. And uh, Amen. what's so important for us to see in this, last, in this last portion of Scripture is that right out the gates, Mark helps us and says, don't make the mistake to think that the kingdom is only for a select few. Don't even make the mistake to think that it's only for one tribe. Don't even make the mistake to think it's only for one people group. It is for everyone. So, dude, I can't give you the PDF, but I can show you his fridge. Okay, great. Really? Can you show me his fridge? Yeah. You are included. And what Mark will do is he'll share story after story in this first part of the gospel that will confirm this again and again and again and again. And that is that the kingdom of God has come near to everyone. So I want to offer us an application and then we'll land the plane. For me personally, Kenny, um, this is very humbling to think that I am included in this grand story. And that's why Mark goes extra. Everyone, everywhere, any illness, right to his door, you are all welcome. I'm so humbled by knowing that I'm included in that story. Then if I sit with the story for a little bit, I'm also humbled, but in a sad way. And that is because I realize that sometimes I think that people are lost for good. I sometimes think of people, and this is a, this is a confession of sin. Please hear my sin and please help me to confess and repent. Sometimes I think that some people just cannot be saved or redeemed because they've walked away and they're lost for good. And then I read the Gospel of Mark and Mark goes, do not make that mistake. You might frown upon someone. Let me point at myself. I might frown upon someone. But Jesus never frowns upon anyone. It's so beautiful, isn't it? 
Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Just before we land the plane, let me make one last remark. And that is that this kind of storytelling that we saw today and that we read today, that's just going to continue. And throughout the gospel, we'll be faced with a decision. Let me show you one last slide, which was also taken from the map of the Bible project. But I think it describes the decision quite well. And that is, we're going to look at this and listen to this sermon. And we're either going to go, yes, 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 yes. You see that lady in the middle say, we'll follow you. Or you're going to go, my mind is blown, but I'm not too sure. Or you're going to say, my mind is closed and this cannot be. My prayer for you today is that we would rather say yes and that we would say yes if our minds are blown and take that step in faith, repent and believe instead of going, no, this cannot be. This cannot be. Amen. Do you have any last words Thank you, you so want much, to say? No, I think what, what I love about um, just this whole idea of the kingdom is that um, it. it especially when you consider it in, uh, in our context as South Africans, um, is that it, it transcends class, it transcends culture, you know, hashtag transcultural. And um, that's, what, that's what Jesus uh, kept on doing. Uh, he kept flipping the script on everyone. Uh, he kept subverting uh, the plot that this is for everyone. And that it always, that has always been God's plan uh, right from the beginning that uh, in... Uh, reaching out and calling uh, Israel to be part of this big mission, uh, yeah. uh, to become fishers of men, if you will. You know, there, there's this sense of, I'm going to use you to bring everyone in. And mm-hmm. so uh, we see this with Jesus, that the, the level of authenticity is that everyone is welcome. Um, uh, I'm different. I'm new. Uh, say yes and so even for us um, in in our current context it's that uh, the gospel um, the kingdom it's it's for everyone everyone is welcome and so the hope through this as you as you said is that uh, people would view it through that lens that um, this is something this is something very different it's unlike anything uh, that we've that we've seen anything that we've encountered and it will change us. It will change us to become different people. You know. So yeah. Let me summarize for us, and then I'll pray for us. So if you think about where we started and where we ended, here's the whole sermon, or this whole part of scripture in four sentences. Jesus chooses people, and that asks for a response. And Jesus makes us something brand new when we do respond. Amen. Jesus teaches with authority. He puts works to his teaching. And that just shows how different he is. He hears the plight of people. So he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And uh, he hears the plight of everyone. And the kingdom has come to everyone. How's that for a dynamite portion of scripture in the gospel of Mark? Next week, we'll pick it up in chapter 1, verse 35. Uh, And you'll see, if you want to glance at it now, that Jesus does something really fascinating after all of this. Let let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, it's like we are seeing you 
in super, super HD. And even though we worked through written words this morning, it's, it's like we're hearing you in, in Dolby and we are, we are overwhelmed. I mean, I pretty much just want to behold you as God who became flesh, who moved among us and who showed us what the kingdom is like. Lord Jesus, my whole heart shouts, yes, 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 I want to follow you. When I say that, I realize that I'm going to have to leave something and I'm going to have to pick something up. I realize that I'm going to have to be open to you making me what you want me to be. I realize that my priorities will shift because we'll pick up fights that is not against flesh and blood, but we'll pick up fights that are against something that is far greater and bigger than the things we see in this world. But I also realize that I can bring my plight to you and I can also bring the plights of other people to you because you hear everyone and your kingdom is for the whole city and all the sick with all their various illnesses. So Lord Jesus, not only as a teacher this morning, but as a healer, I pray that you would heal us. I pray that you would heal the two of us. I pray that you would heal our church community. I pray that you will heal our communities in which we dwell and live. And I pray that you would heal our country of whatever illness and sickness it is that people are facing. It might be physical. It might only be emotional or spiritual. But you are the one that demonstrates to us that you have made us free and that you are making us new. And we want to be those people. So I pray that we would be comforted by this word. I pray that we would lean into the gospel and read and read and read and read to hear more from you. And we pray that this word won't only be a nice experience we have together on a Sunday, but that it will be truly transformative as we do the everyday stuff of life, the kind of stuff Kenny alluded to uh, in this sermon. That as we do those things, as we work it out in our lives, that we will be transformed and refreshed by this word. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, brother. Thank you so much, brother.